0: All right, this is the word of the Lord. Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them whole. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. Be happy, young man, while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keeper of the house trem- keepers of the house tremble And the strong men stoop When the grinders cease because they are few And those looking through the window grow grow dim When the doors to the street are closed And the sound of grinding fades When men rise up at the sound of birds But all their songs grow faint When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets When all the almond trees blossom And the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home. And mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed. Or the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring. Or the will broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. their collected sayings like firmly embedded nails, given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study, where is the body? Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Thanks, Mikey. We actually spent um,
1: 17 or 18 weeks, sermons, preaching through Ecclesiastes in semester one, um, this year just gone, with the university fellowship, and uh, there, there were many who, who, like Marty, really appreciated the book and said, to some extent, seeing the, um, the ups and downs, the grey areas, the depressing things as well as the happy things, resonated with their experience. They went, yeah, this is the world I see, and wow, it's in the Bible. Others, those from Christian homes, to some extent found it quite disturbing. If you've been raised with a simple Jesus love me, this I know because the Bible told me so and that's that's that kind of uh, black and white faith, then it seems a little bit shocking that God puts Ecclesiastes in the Bible because it, it seems so depressing sometimes and so uncertain sometimes and it's this except when it's not this. And so for some it was a great exercise for the the students to um, begin to wrestle with how do you live a faith in a world that is fallen, that is um, twisted in a way that can't be straightened and that is lacking in a way that you can never add it up again and and that was a really great exercise for them. Um, But then for those guests who came who weren't Christians at all, um, for them they saw here something of the very struggles of making sense of the world Um, that was very helpful. I'll just read you one testimony from a a student who became a Christian last year. Julia um, wrote in our newsletter, a couple of years ago, I felt like something was really missing in my life. I started thinking about this frequently. And at the same time, I became good friends with a guy I worked with called Alex. He was part of the uni fellowship, and I knew he was a Christian. We read the Bible together, and Alex explained the gospel and answered my questions. He also showed a really peaceful and content character. This appealed to me as I'd always been a very anxious kind of person. As well as reading the Bible one-to-one, Alex invited me to a citywide gathering. That's what the video was showing for you there. um, And I heard their Ecclesiastes preached. Those sermons really hit me as it became clear that everything is meaningless apart from God. And so, for Julia, the, the reading Ecclesiastes and saying, "Wow, you know, without God, if we're just under the sun, if we're just this side of the grave, then what, you know, what meaning really is there?" You know, um, and Ecclesiastes does an amazing work at confronting us with all this kind of stuff. Ecclesiastes here speaks at its close about death. A very famous speech from Shakespeare's play. Ponders the question where Hamlet paces and asks, "Should I end it all?" Should I kill myself? To be, to keep on living, or not to be, to kill myself? That's the question. Whether it's nobler in the mind to suffer all the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. So do I put up with the ups and downs of life, Hamlet wonders. Or do I take up arms against this sea of troubles by opposing and end them to die? He says, you know, should I just get be done with it all, get rid of all the worry, all the trouble, all the grief, all the slings and arrows? To die, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep, we say to end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. Oh, I wish for that, he says. To die, to sleep, to sleep, to dream. Ah, but there's the rub. For in the sleep of death, what dreams may come. When we've shuffled off the mortal coil, that's what makes us ponder. You see, Hamlet says there's so much trouble in this life, should I just end it all? But hang on a second, if I end it all, what's to come after this life? And so I don't know what to do. And many people are like that. Even sometimes Christians are like that. They say, I just don't know what what, is life worth living. And then I think about death to come, and I think, oh my goodness, what's beyond? Death is a heavy subject. In our world when so many taboos now can be spoken of so publicly on the television, on the internet and so on, death really is still a great taboo subject. You know, you could round the dinner table, talk about religion. Everyone has their opinions about religion. Talk about politics even. Everyone has their opinions about politics. Talk about death. I think I'll go and get the pavlova. You know, and there's this quiet lull. Who wants to talk about it? We might ignore it in escapism. We might intellectualise it with a sort of a depersonalised science talk. We might romanticise it, like the, uh, the kid with the black hair and the skateboard in the mall, and, um, and think there's something cool to think about death. We might sentimentalise it and say it's, you know, it's just a part of life, like Forrest Gump says. Well, Ecclesiastes makes us face it, this unpopular topic, this grim topic, it says the wise man is wiser at the funeral than at the party, because at the funeral we face the fate we all one day have in store. No denial for this book of Ecclesiastes, no escapism for this book of Ecclesiastes, no cliches, but living in reality. Face the fact, in many ways, Ecclesiastes is the great meditation in the Old Testament of Genesis chapter 3, The thorns, the thistles, the dust, the ashes. So let's look at it together. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12. And first of all, we are told to rejoice. (laughs) It's quite an interesting thing, but Ecclesiastes is such a depressing book whose refrain is meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Meaningless. Uh, that this book, as, as commonly as the book tells us how meaningless life is, it calls on us to rejoice nonetheless. You see how that section that was read for us begins, 11 verse 7, light is sweet and it pleases the eye, however many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Or verse 10, banish anxiety from your heart, cast off troubles from your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless, enjoy your life. It's one of the answers God gives us in this book. Are you troubled by sickness? Are you frustrated by troubles? Are you worried and anxious about financial matters and job security? Are you stressed about your grandchildren and will they grow up Christian? Do you watch the news and just feel overwhelmed with the troubles of the world? Are you trying to speak for Christ in your workplace and feel distressed that everyone just laughs at you for being the the Christian? Well, one of the bits of advice God gives us in Ecclesiastes is learn, even in the middle of the hard things, the difficult things, the confusing things, learn still to rejoice. Ecclesiastes is not the counsel of despair. Human wisdom might say, life is hard, so despair. Ecclesiastes says, life is hard, so learn to rejoice where you can. Enjoy the light of the sun, it says, verse 7. Light is sweet, And it pleases the eye to see the sun. Even just that simple pleasure. And we in Tasmania know it and treasure it when we get it, don't we? The simple pleasure. The beautiful uh, summer sun. The warmth on your skin. It almost relaxes you in an instant, doesn't it? The life it brings. The health it brings. And as it dances on the water at the gorge. As it comes through the leaves. It bends round the planet as the sun rises and sets. It's a simple pleasure. A good pleasure. It is one of the marks of our creator and his glory, as we sang at the beginning of this service, the generous giving gifts of God. Enjoy. Enjoy just the light. Well, verse 8, enjoy the many years of your life. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. As long as the light of life shines in you, And for some of you, you are blessed to have it shine for many years, aren't you? Are you still enjoying the life God has given you? We mustn't listen to a world which worships youth. You know, the the sad baby boomer still trying to be an action hero movie. Bruce Willis really needs to change acting role, doesn't he? You know, there's this desperation to cling on to youth and the sad sort of glad-wrapped female actress... (laughs) who can't embrace the fact that she's no longer 22. You know, and this worship of youth. Live your whole life, won't you? Don't just make the, your, the vast portion of your life a vast funeral and wake for your 20s and 30s. Be the old dog who learns the new tricks, won't you? As long as one may live, let him enjoy them all. Let her enjoy them all. Age gracefully, won't you? We Christians can do that, can't we? Because we're not living merely for this life. But we know that each breath God gives us is a gift that we can receive joyfully. Now, yes, there are perks of youth and benefits of youth, but there are also Perks of middle age and of old age. New gifts God gives. Wisdom, we hope. (laughs) To see something of the fruit of your labour. Being able to look after grandchildren and then when they start to smell down under, hand them back. (laughs) Being comfortable in your own skin. No longer worried what others think of you. There are perks of being older. Invest in the future... Beyond your life, enjoy your life as you age that 's the the, the the encouragement there of verse eight, and of course it 's an encouragement to think a little deeper for us to love others as they age too isn 't it? We do not believe as Christians that life is older is over when you get old. We do not believe as Christians that life is not worth living when you are sick. We as Christians do not believe that a human being is no longer valuable when they are aged or aching or in pain. But we as Christians believe and value and protect human beings, young or old. That's the care for the age that, that, uh, as a legal issue, means Christians are protective and wary of euthanasia laws. But in a country, and even more in a state, that is ageing, it's a very practical issue. Will we be people who... I was talking to a, well, one of the, the medical students, actually, who was doing the voiceover on that video. He, um, uh, <laughs> he didn't do... So, oh, no, it wasn't him. It was another guy that I was talking to. Um, he didn't do so well in his medical degree because during a placement realised the loneliness of some of the elderly people in a home, and so he began to go in and read them poetry once a week on a Friday afternoon. Now, perhaps he should have done a bit more study as well. Maybe he could have read them out of his study and had them test him. But, but that, that was a Christian young man, wasn't there, who saw other men and women made in the image of God, left lonely and wanted to provide company. So, so they're valuing life and even old age is, is, a, is a challenge here. Um, but then he goes on to say, particularly enjoy youth. This is down in verse 9 there now. Look there in verse 9. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye see, but know that in all these things God will bring you to judgment. Enjoy the spread of life, yes, but Ecclesiastes says there is a particular light, a particular sweetness of youth. That's why chapter 12 says, make sure while you are young, before the days of trouble come, before you struggle to find pleasure, before the sun and the moon grows dark, before all these things, enjoy the the pleasures that you have while you are young. Young people. The opportunity you have, the novelty you have, the freedom you have, the time you have, the beauty some of you have, the, the strength you have, the energy you have. Enjoy those things. They are gifts that God has given you. He's given you those gifts. You have them now. And they're good gifts from the creator God. They're gifts given to be enjoyed from the creator God. The Bible teaches to enjoy God and the gifts he gives to say grace, not just for the evening meal and lunch on Sundays, but for all the good gifts God gives. Young men and women of the branch, you're at a time of life now, some of you, uh, into your late teens and early 20s, where you enjoy all the great freedoms of adulthood with very few of the responsibilities of adulthood. This is the sweet spot. You can vote and drive and drink and uh, stay at home when mum and dad go away, but you don't have any kids, you don't have a job, or if you do, it's a casual one or low in responsibility. You don't have the burdens and pressures of organisations that you're in charge of. Great freedom, little responsibility. On the one hand, enjoy it because it won't last. But on the other hand, don't waste those times. Don't waste your youth. Some of the uni students I meet with are too much in a hurry to grow up and save up and work every crack in their life that they can to save up the money for the house or the car or the trip or whatever it is that they desperately need to be happy. Um, That they waste their life trying to be all sensible. And not only do they not have time to have any fun whatsoever, but they have no time for the Christian conference, no time to help at the youth group, no time to roll up their sleeves in the work of God in the world because it's also desperately important that they have seven grand in the bank before they get married. It's also desperately important that they have to travel overseas because if you've never traveled overseas, then you're hardly human. You know, it's so incredibly important. You know, don't waste your life on dull, trivial things. But also don't waste your life on merely temporary things. Look at verse 9 again. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees, but know that in all these things God will bring you into judgment. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off troubles from your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Do not merely live your life for travel and selfies taken on your phone. Here I am in front of the Eiffel Tower, you know, and then here I am in front of uh, the Taj Mahal, you know, and... Or something just as fickle a university degree, a name on a building. Well, buildings last, yeah, but no one knows who the guy the building named after was anymore. Mere careerism, mere property, mere uh, fame and fortune they're small, thin, ghostly things. You blink. And they're gone. Life is more than that. And God will call you to account on how you spend your teens. God will call you to account on how you spend your 20s. Storing up treasures on earth. Storing up treasures in heaven. Over the summer, I read a biography about a um, a man from Bendigo, actually, who uh, became the um, leader of the university groups of Canada. And then he saw a need in the United States, um, and so I think still while in his 20s or 30s then began uh, the Varsity Christian Fellowship Groups of the United States, and then subsequently also um, uh, helped found the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, Stacy Woods was his name. And um, what was astonishing as I read the book is how many of the people that this man um, remained in contact with over a lifetime that he met through doing Christian summer camps and leading Christian summer camps when he was in his teens and 20s. That the way you spend your life in your teens and 20s will determine the company you keep, the peers that you have, the opportunities that spring open, the trajectory of your life. So while you're in your teens, while you're in your 20s, use your youth, use your energy, use your freedom... For things that actually will matter. That when you're aged and sick and looking back on your life, that's not regret, but it's satisfaction. And so he says, banish anxiety from your heart. Christians can be free from anxiety, verse 10. Banish the anxiety from your body. Because we're not living for the things of this world that thieves can steal. And we're not living for the things of this world that moths and rust can eat away at. So rejoice is the first encouragement of Ecclesiastes. It's a a great reminder that God is not uh, someone who delights in us most when we're most miserable. (laughs) Rejoice, but secondly, remember old age. Remember old age before it is coming. Light is sweet and it pleases the sun, 11 verse 7. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you're young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth and follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees. But know that all these things God will bring you into judgment. So banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body for youth and vigour are meaningless. The famous French philosopher, um, Jean-Paul Sartre wrote a little story about imagining what it would be like to be on death row. And he describes this character thinking about it. And the character says, in this state that I was now in, if someone had come into the prison cell and told me I could go home quietly and they'd leave my life whole, even if I was set free, he says, and didn't have to die the death penalty, it would leave me cold. Several hours or several years of waiting is all the same when you have lost the illusion of being eternal. It's a great phrase, isn't it? Lost the illusion of being eternal. We do kid ourselves, don't we, that we are immortal. Uh, A year or so ago, I heard the um, now, uh, with the Lord, John Chapman, the great Australian evangelist, speak about how evangelising in uh, an old people's home with with his fellow um, uh, neighbours and so on, he was struck by the fact that people in their 80s were still convinced they were immortal (laughs) and had all the time in the world. Don't be naive. The way you live your life should prepare you for the day of your death. Are you living your life and planning your life and basing your happiness all on the assumption that you will be young and beautiful forever? Is there any, the only things that make you in life happiness, beauty, success, then your life is fragile. For it just takes injury, doesn't It just takes sickness, doesn't it? just takes that one turn of the steering wheel, doesn't it? It just takes that one turn of the market and what? I become bitter, sad, angry at God, you know? 12 verse 1, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come. And he gives this great poem, this exposition, this description of ageing. Verse 2, it's the sun and the light and the stars and the moon growing dim and the clouds closing in. This is the, the eyesight failing, the darkening, the clouds of sickness, the clouds of pain, the more funerals than weddings in the winter of life. Verse 3, the crumbling mansion. The keepers of the house tremble as the bones and the muscles and the joints uh, and the strong men suddenly stoop. (laughs) When I wake up early, but I can't hear the birds anymore, and the the people are afraid of heights and there's dangers in the streets, all those young people in hooded jumpers, you know, had... uh, The almond tree blossoms, it's the the white hair. And the grasshopper drags himself along for desire is no longer stirred. It's the body's losing its power, its glamour, its sex drive, its... And then death. Remember him before the silver cord is severed, verse 6. The golden bowl is broken and the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground from which it came and the spirit returns to the one who gave it all of us will die all of us are mortal as the singer Tom Waits sang what does it matter a dream of love, a dream of lies we're all going to be in the same place when we die your spirit don't leave knowing your face or your name and the wind through your bones is all that remains and we're all going to be just dirt in the ground. There's a story told of a king who went looking for the greatest fool in his kingdom and he gave him a great reward, a golden scepter and great prizes if he could find the greatest fool in the kingdom and he searched and sent his um, uh, emissaries out far and wide and eventually they found the fool and brought him before the king and the king handed out uh, this, this golden scepter and great rewards and so forth. Many years later, the king became ill and called the fool to his bedside to cheer him up as uh, as he was dying. And he turned to the fool and he said, I'm about to go on a great journey. Oh, well, what preparations have you made? The king said, why none? Well, you can have your scepter back then, said the fool, for you're a greater fool than I am. of all the things we get ready for and ensure ourselves for, are you prepared for the one thing that is certain? Remember your creator in the days of your youth. That's his exhortation. Remember your creator. Now is the time, he's saying. Not after uni, I'll get serious about God. Not when I get married and want my kids to have some values, then we'll go back to church. Not after I've had some fun. Now is the time. It's assuming so much to think I'll want to later. It's assuming so much I'll be able to later. This is the time to make peace with God. This is the time to do business with God. This is the time, as God says, come to me, any, come to me. My blood will cover you. My son's goodness will be your goodness. The doors of heaven are wide open. Now is the time. For you may drift and lose sight of the shore and never come back. Now is the time. Remember your creator now. We see so many of them, Christian students, come to the university, and they're Christian and they're Chris. but, you know, I haven't, I haven't got, found a church yet, to be honest. I mean, I go to church with mum and dad when I'm back home, but it's, I'm so busy at the moment, you know, and I'm really busy. It's quite funny hearing them say they're really busy. I've got an assignment due in three weeks, busy, you know. I've got to work for three hours this afternoon, you have no idea. And, you know, anyway, um, and, and so I just can't right now. And then gradually it's step away and then it step away and then I just find myself to be more passionate about fill the gap, student politics, mixed netball, international law, whatever it is that I become more passionate about. And then before I know it, my heart is hard, my mind is numb to the things of God, and it's gone. Tomorrow he promised his conscience. Tomorrow I mean to believe. Tomorrow I'll think as I ought to. Tomorrow the Saviour receive. Tomorrow I'll conquer the habits that hold me from heaven away. But ever his conscience repeated one word and one only today. Tomorrow, 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 and thus day after day it went on. Tomorrow, 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 till youth like a vision had gone. Till age and his passions had written the message of fate on his brow, and forth from the shadows came death with the pitiless syllable Now. Now is the time to live for God. Now is the time to take Him seriously in your life. Now is the time for the Christian life is like pedaling a bike up a hill. You don't stop pedaling, you start going backwards fast. Now is the time to pray diligently. Now is the time to repent and believe. Now is the time to strive for godliness by the power of Him who works so powerfully in you. Now is the time to give generously. Now is the time. How are you going? In verses 9 to 12 he speaks about wisdom and we won't look at those verses uh, for time's sake but here he speaks about the great wise teacher that wisdom is something that is given to be taught to others. That wisdom is something that is hard work. Which is why it's good to have a decent length sermon, you know? Because you don't become wise through (laughs) tweets, you know? Infomercials. It's hard work. It's pleasant but painful, he says, in verse 11. And it's from God, verse 11 and 12. And last of all, he says, wisdom is limited. Of making books, there is no end. And much study, wearies the body? A university theme verse, if ever there was one. (laughs) Because then we get to what is the end of the matter. And this is where we'll close. The end of the matter in verse 13. Now that all has been heard, give me the bottom line. What's Ecclesiastes all about? What's this life All about, well, verse 13, here is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man. Quite literally, that's the whole of man. That's what it means to be human. Fear God, keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. That's what life is about. That's what life is for. That's what you are made for. To know God, to fear him as the God that he is, to obey him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the centre of life around which everything else orbits and finds its significance. And that's the basis on which all of us must one day give an account. Verse 14, God will bring you to judgement. Your secrets, your shames... Your fantasies, your acts, your legacy. There is an answer to life above the sun. There is an answer to life beyond the grave. An answer that one day God will straighten out that which is crooked. An answer that one day God will make up that which is lacking. That God will give gain. God will give an answer good news except of course that we're in trouble and we're exposed and we have all done things worthy of the judgement of God and if we are wise we will see it and know that God is right and we're wrong if we are wise we will know it that we're in trouble and we have no way out but that God reached down from above the sun in Jesus Christ, didn't he? And then he smashed through beyond the grave so that any who come to him trust in him, fear him as the Lord of the universe, obey him in his command to believe in his name. Anyone. Anyone can be safe on that day. Fear the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the world, and keep his great command, come to me and believe in my name. Let's pray. A loving Father, you are a loving Father, and in Christ you have come and found us. Help us by your Holy Spirit in this life that is crooked and lacking and bitter and hard. Help us persevere, we pray. But we praise you and thank you for the good gifts you give us in this life. Help us by your Holy Spirit to rejoice in the small gifts and the great gifts you give. Help us, if we are young, to remember the creator in the days of our youth. Help us, if we are old, to continue in him through the days of darkness. And remind us and refresh us with the great hope in store for us when the Lord Jesus returns. In his name we pray. Amen.